Welcome to the Be Real Podcast. I'm Diana Gasparoni. I'm a visionary psychotherapist, CEO, and founder of Be Well Psychotherapy and Be Her Programs. I am Ednisha Salisbury. I am a therapist, speaker, trainer, and co-creator of Black Woman Be Whole. Each week, we will talk about the journey of mental health wellness. We will talk about why your mental health is just as important as your physical health and the connection that being mentally well has on all areas of your life. We will be interviewing psychotherapists, doctors from both Eastern and Western disciplines, authors, change makers, thought leaders, and more. Our mission is to bring you information that is both thought provoking and encourages you to look closer at your mental and emotional well-being. We give you tips and insights to taking the next steps. If you have already gotten into the door, we'll get you to go a little deeper. Each week, we're going to have real conversations, helping you work through your mental wellness questions and reminding you that you are not alone. Mental wellness is our passion. We practice what we preach. It is our mission to touch as many souls as we can with this content and leading you to a place of mental clarity and well-being. So for the next hour, let's work together, lay back on the couch and get real. Hi, it's me, Diana Gasparoni. I'm here. It's Be Real. And I am here with your co-host, Anisha. I'm here too. Um, I'm, I'm ready to be real today. I'm, I'm, re- Girl, I'm really you're ready to real be every day. Why, why would today be any different than any other day? I don't know. I think I'm feeling like I just want to open up. Damn it. I, you know, <laughs> I had therapy yesterday. I just want to open up today. Like just open all the way up. Bring so, it. Okay. I, I thought that if, okay, so we're going to open up today. I want to talk about my diet. Oh, let's do it. Okay. So we've been in a pandemic for a year. Yes. Um, one solid year. One solid year. Uh-huh. So I will say in the beginning, I, I put on 20 pounds. Let's just put it out there. Damn it. I put on 20 pounds. Yep. I was too okay. close to the refrigerator all day, every day. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just packing them in the gym clothes. Yeah. In the beginning. The comfortable pants. Yeah. In the beginning, it was kind of cool because it was like, you know, beginning no not even spring yet it was like almost spring so I wasn't out walking I wasn't doing much yet right so then I was like all right something's gotta change <laughs> so a girlfriend of mine I saw her in the summer maybe in June and she looked amazing she told me about her nutritionist that she has so I was like okay give me her info so I got the nutritionist and she um gives me like she lays out the food that I need to eat each week how much water I should drink and I lost 20 pounds. <laughs> I well, look at that now. And I love it. I love to be so disciplined. Like I love to know what I'm going to eat every day. And it doesn't feel like I'm on a diet. Like, yes, I'm oh. restricted in some ways, but I can eat everything. It's really about the portion size, right? Mm-hmm. And what I eat each day, but it's been really working out. And so I think I'm on like week 18 or something like that. I've been doing this, but I went rogue recently. Oh, oh, yeah. What's rogue? What's rogue? Me. What, I, <laughs> What's I drink, rogue I, look like? He he drinks soda. I started drinking a little soda. He has this thing about oatmeal raisin cookies. I have a thing about oatmeal raisin cookies, but I just haven't been eating them, of course. So I've been dipping and dabbing into oatmeal raisin cookies, and I didn't eat any of the meals on my list this week. I didn't make not one of them. Oh, well, you know, transition. It's hard. Yeah. Um, I have a thing for bread like a hundred calorie bread and almond butter. I had five pieces of bread yesterday with almond butter, two for lunch, one for a snack and two for breakfast. 
<laughs> my only meal that was a real meal was dinner. <laughs> Listen, you can find me standing in my kitchen having chips and guacamole for dinner at least two to three nights a week when I come out of that room and I'm like, okay. All right. Well, I mean, I think that 18 weeks of changing your diet, you've definitely formed a habit. You can, you you get a little break in there. You ate different foods than you normally, than you used to eat. I shouldn't say normally like you like got in there and started and you had to cook. I had to cook and I really liked her recipes. I was very impressed. It was probably like maybe one or two meals out of the 18 weeks that I really kind of didn't care for that much. But for the most part, yeah. I'm happy. Like I really eat differently. I cook differently. Um, the 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 partner, the hubby, he's happy because he eats my meals too. I just give him a bigger portion. Things have been going well. I seem domesticated to him now, which makes him happy. I mean, good. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking like a good wife out here. Yeah, it's you there. The cooking was a thing for you guys. It's true. It's true. I know all about it. And it sounds like you're enjoying the cooking, which is really. To me, you know, that is how I relax. You love cooking. <laughs> and, and your food is really good. I appreciate that. I do. I do love to cook. But I know you're on like this new kind of diet thing. Well, it's that? by, it, it, it's sort of like you just got to go with the flow sometimes. So one of us decided that they would dab their toe into or their life the whole style. <laughs> into intermittent fasting. So I was cooking, I cook. And then I'm like, Oh, wait, you're not eating dinner with me. What, 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 what outside of the window? I was like, what do you mean? And at first it wasn't, it didn't bother me. I was like, okay, whatever. And then I was like, wait a second, just hold up. You mean like, if I, if I don't get on board with this, like we're never going to have a meal together. So I was like, okay, So I changed, I had him change up the time because he gets home, I don't know, around nine, nine 30. I was like, okay, I don't stop working until eight. So we have to eat (laughs) like after eight. So I'm trying, I'm not, uh, I'm going back. Wait, what exactly is this? Well, it's a whole, it's really like a whole lifestyle of how, when you eat your foods, like eating in a window. So the window is like from one to nine when you consume your food and then you fast from nine to one. So there is no breakfast, but Mm. technically one o'clock would be breakfast. If we break down the word to break fast, which is what it really is. So you can actually eat breakfast at any time of day, which I had to bring to his attention. I was like, it's still breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, whatever the first meal you eat of the day is breakfast. That's why it's called breakfast. Anyway, that being said, you know, I have to analyze it all and get into the whole thing. And so, um, I, I, I mean, I guess I'm going to plug this guy's book. So I read, I listened to this book uh, fast this way by Dave Asprey. I've been listening to it because I still don't have the concentration level to read a book. I mean, he is pitching his own, his own brand throughout the whole thing, but like you have coffee with MTC oil, which was also like a thing. Like I couldn't, it's been a big thing. So like, I don't like oils. I don't okay. like to can like I'll cook with them, but I don't like to ingest just an oil. Have you ever had like mineral oil, like on a spoon? It's disgusting. 
Right. It's like, I got like an instant gag reflex does not bought like, so you got to put it in your coffee with ghee. Also a little bit gross for those of you who have not had what we do for love. Okay. That's, that's my thought right now. What we do for love, what we do for love. So the the dude in the book is like, this will be the best latte you ever had. And I was like, "Mm, I've had lattes (laughs) in Italy. So I doubt it, but okay. I'll try it. It was not the best latte I ever had. I actually spit it out and it was disgusting, but that was just me. He loves it. Like the man, he loves it. He's like, I'm in. I'm like, okay, well you have your little coffee over here. I have the powdered version over here, which I don't mind. So there's all sorts of like healing properties for the body, which I enjoy knowing about. I can't list them all. So when you have the MTC oil, it helps with muscles. I'll get more information for the next for next week. Um, so I do that and then I take the supplements that go with it, which is also something that I really like to do. Cause I like to know that I'm, you know, I'm all about reversing the aging process. And so this dude that wrote the book is all about you being your most in your, the best health possible, which normally totally turns me on like that. I'm like in, like, I want to know all that stuff, but for some reason it's not making me feel better. What I have learned is that if you drink wine at night, which mm-hmm. is, uh, can be a favorite habit of mine, intermittent fasting goes right out the window because you wake up hungry, right? Cause you want to like, it's the sugar. So you have sugar at night and then you wake mm-hmm. up and you want sugar in the morning. And so it has the thing, my favorite thing about it is the no wine at night. So I'm get sleeping better. And then in the morning, I'm not as hungry. I'm having coffee. I feel more relaxed. Those are, those are properties that I really like. Um, And I will have to say he's never been in a better mood. I've never seen anything like it since the intermittent fasting. I feel like I'm perpetually cranky, but. (laughs) 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 Um, So so you're reaping the benefits and him not so much. (laughs) No, he's right. (laughs) He wakes up like singing, like in such a good mood. And I'm like, all right, whatever, dude. (laughs) So I'm hoping that like I can get on board and not and like shake some of the cranky. That's what I'm hoping. Okay. Yeah. So Diana, do you want to tell our listeners who we're talking to today and what we're talking about? I do because funny that we should be talking about our diets. (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. Um, So today we have the founders of Wellness Lately. So Bridget Shannon and Dana Barron are the founders. And the two of them are on a mission to help women stop binge watching, wa- binge eating, not watching, it's not watching, Netflix. binge eating, binge watching is another show, binge eating and obsessing about food every day. So this is a really great conversation that we had with them. I'm super excited for everybody to listen because they do, um, they do go really deep into diet culture and what it means. And even just this conversation with you and I, I mean, we talk about food all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so grab your black coffee with MGC oil. <laughs> You're the only one who's doing that, but okay, go ahead. And sit back and have a listen. As you know, I am a huge supporter of therapy. And if there was ever a time to prioritize your mental well-being, it's now. As the founder of Be Well Psychotherapy, I am proud to announce my team is leading the way in online therapy. 
BeWell is based in New York City, and we were one of the first practices to pivot to online therapy with the outbreak of COVID-19. With over 15 licensed therapists, BeWell offers a variety of methodologies and approaches so you can select a therapist that is a good fit for you. We help individuals of all ages, including kids, teens, couples, and wait for it, we even have online group therapy. There is no need to struggle alone with feelings of depression, anxiety, isolation, grief, or loss. To learn more, visit BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, that's one word, to 484848 to get connected with a therapist today. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, one word, B-E-W-E-L-L, to 484848 to get connected to a therapist today. And now back to our amazing show. Well, hello, and here we are. It's Be Real Day. Hey, yes. Isha. <laughs> hey, it is. Fridays is Be Real Day. Friday's the sun is shining day. in New York City. I am feeling amazing. I know. I've actually been out twice already. Um, Monkey's super psyched. He gets to go out a bunch of times today, but we can talk about that later because today <laughs> <laughs> we are going to talk with our guests, Bridget, Shannon, and Dana Barron of Wellness Lately. So ladies, who's going to jump in first? I will jump in first. <laughs> My name is Bridget. Thank you so much for having us. Um, we're excited to be here. And yeah, as you mentioned, we're the founders of Wellness Lately. We help women heal their relationship with food and their body, put an end to binge eating, emotional eating, work through body image issues so that they can really put this struggle behind them and live a life free of all of it, free their mind space up to do things that feel good and lives that feel good and uh, stop waiting on the weight. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Hi, I'm Dana Barron. Thanks for having us. Um, yeah. To echo everything Bridget said, we just want to help wake women everywhere up to diet culture and how it's been holding them back in life and help them break through, you know, frustrating behavior around food and build body image resilience, like Bridget said, so we can go do more important things with our time than count almonds. <laughs> <laughs> so I was super excited that you guys were coming on because I'm a cereal dieter. Mm, like yeah. I'm always on some type of diet. Um, I told the story before we got on today about how I was on a diet one time and it was like a no carb diet. And I went out to a party that had food and I ate an olive all night. Like I sucked on an olive and drank water. And my girlfriend is like, are you serious? Look <laughs> at that lasagna. I'm like, yeah, no, I have this discipline. I can do this. I'm trying to lose this weight but it does really impact your mental health, right? Like it becomes almost an obsession, mm -hmm. right? And you always trying to figure out like, how can I do it better next time? How can I do it better next time? So I can imagine, especially during this pandemic, when we've been closer to the refrigerator, like what you guys are seeing in your clients. Why don't we kind of get into the mission of wellness lately? And then we'll talk a little bit about it, but I had to kind of start there because I am a cereal dieter. And I've been counting steps by what, how many steps it takes to go back and forth and wear the watch <laughs> to get to 10,000 steps to the refrigerator. And yeah, you're also no. an almond eater, Diana. When we were in oh, the yeah, office when together, you said, you're an almond eater. I, I'm an <laughs> almond, almond eater. Yes. 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 But I do. Um, the whole overall mission, I'm really, I'm really excited about what you guys are doing. So let's talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, neither of you are alone in either of those things and <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh in counting the steps or or fixating on the olives at the party. <laughs> 
Um, and we can talk a little bit about, you know, what, what happens as a result of, uh, of dieting and just trying to stick to the low carbs or whatever, you know, the, the diet of the week is we went through the struggle ourselves in our own lives and it was a really painful place to be just really feeling stuck, constantly starting over again, constantly waiting for our lives to get better when we lost the weight. Right. And so not only is that a many, many years of cycling and through the binging and the restriction, which we know that binging is a result often of the restriction, right? We really went through that struggle ourselves. And we were like in health coach training school, we worked in the wellness industry. We were, it was such a big part of both of our identities. And what we realized is not only does it not work, <laughs> is it not an effective strategy, but also that we were really contributing to this diet culture mentality, right? We were contributing to this idea that there is a, an ideal, I'm saying that in quotation marks, ideal body type that we should all be striving for. In working through our own stuff and getting to the other side of that, um, now our mission is really about helping other women do the same thing because we are spending an enormous amount of time and mind space and energy just trying to fix our appearances, trying to fix our bodies. And not only does it take a really big toll on our emotional and mental and physical health, but it just keeps us trapped in this cycle and keeps us trapped in this uh, restrict binge pattern that makes us feel like we're failing, right? That we don't have enough willpower or we don't have enough motivation to just do it, just get it under control. And, you know, as a result, we feel out of control around food. So our work is around helping women realize you're not the problem. It's not your fault. It's just this broken system that we've all been told is the right way to go, that this is the right way to do things and the right way to eat and the right body type you should be striving for. So our mission is really about reclaiming wellness and what it means to be quote unquote healthy and feel at home in your body from diet culture and from this idea that weight is synonymous with health and uh, what it means to be living well, really. I love everything that you just said. And I was thinking I got right. Um, where did I, there's a word that I attached to on the restriction. So I, unlike Anisha, am not a dieter. That doesn't mean that I don't think about dieting all the time. Mm. And it's interesting because I have the repetition that I think of is that I tell myself, I don't have the willpower to change my diet. Like I get into this whole, I, I don't want to curse today. I get so like <laughs> my mind twist that I don't, that, and then it, it's like, it's almost, it's like, it's like the opposite. Like, then I think there's something wrong with me that I can't, that I can't do it or won't do it or whatever the case may be. So I've been worried about food since more so since the pandemic, because I'm not moving enough. And I'm like, oh, I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't eat this. I shouldn't eat that. I shouldn't eat this. I shouldn't eat that, which is a new, um, it's new for me. And I, I, uh, and I've been hearing so much about diet culture, obviously. And I like the language around diet culture a lot. I think that that was, it's a really good, um, way to look at dieting and the, how we've done it. So I really appreciate you bringing that up using that word. I, we're going to jump right into intuitive eating. Cause I want to know what that is, but I want to talk about like where intuitive eating, like how, how we present it, what it looks like. What is it? <laughs> yeah like, wait 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 I, because also like I'm also having like this vision of like this old boyfriend of mine and I walking through like the farmer's market and he's like oh I'm only gonna eat what I like how I like how it smells and I was like yeah we don't have time for that <laughs> <laughs> that's great but we 
Yeah. So can, can we just, I would like to jump right in. <laughs> yeah, sure. And I mean, it sounds like we have two uh, very common food personalities here. We have the the chronic dieter, the professional dieter, right? And then we have someone who only thinks about dieting all the time, who is not actively dieting, but this mindset, this diet mentality still is taking up a lot of time and energy for you in your mind, right? So that's very common as well is pseudo dieting. Like just because we're not actively on a Noom or a Weight Watchers doesn't mean we're not thinking like a dieter and oh. therefore experiencing a lot of the same detrimental effects. For yeah. sure. Do you know how many times I click on Noom? Like all the time. Like mm-hmm. I click on like, oh my God, this must be for me. And then I'm like, well, I don't need this. Yes, I do. No, I don't. Yes, I do. Mm. No, I don't. Right. Yeah. And what if you could get that time back, right? What if you could get that mind space back, right? That's what the, the, the core of our work, right? So intuitive eating, right? There's intuitive eating, the lowercase version, right? Which is just eating in response to your body instead of your brain. What does your body want to eat? Are you hungry? Are you not hungry? What is your taste? What would be satisfying, right? Because the data and our own lived experience shows us when we can ease into trusting our bodies, eating like maybe a toddler who hasn't been interfered with yet, we wind up eating not only a more comfortable amount for our bodies, right, in the moment, but we also wind up eating a more varied, balanced diet over our lifetime without having to obsess and try to interfere, right? So it's really easing back into trusting your body. And then there's intuitive eating that's capitalized, which is a framework for teaching this way of eating to returning to eating to your body instead of your brain. Um, It was created by two dietitians in the 90s and has evolved with the research, but it's an actual framework we were trained to help help women specifically reconnect to their bodies and get that diet mentality out of the way. So you can just eat and it's not a big deal. And you don't have to spend your party sucking on an almond and (laughs) holding back. You can just eat and enjoy your life. And it's not a big deal. And you don't live in that constant fear of weight gain or losing control. So that's what intuitive eating really is. It's just returning to your body instead of your diet brain, which has been co-opted by diet culture that we live in. I think about balance right? Like it feels like that's more of a balanced lifestyle than I've been leading for so long, right? Where that um, it feels very black and white, right? Like either I eat all of it or I eat none of it. And so when I hear intuitive eating, it's like kind of honor your hunger, right? Like, okay, you're, you're hungry. Go, go ahead and eat, honor that, but probably also um, respect your body and what it needs at the same time. That's exactly how do I do right. both of those things? And I don't think most of us know how to do it, right? Like we kind of get obsessed with this. And I think the bigger thing is our self-image that we're probably probably really obsessed with, right? Like how do we look? How are we presenting to the world? And how do I look while I'm eating these things too um, to others? Mm-hmm. So I think it's a huge thing. Yeah. yeah, the body image is really the underlying mm-hmm. thing <laughs> that we're yeah. talk- that we're dealing with here, right? Because the foods, the food stuff is almost easier once you once you start to feed yourself again, and once you start to really block out the rules and the restriction and the calorie counting and what, and whatever, you know, whatever it is you're doing, the food becomes pretty simple to just eat and feed yourself. And then you start to focus on what feels good and you're building awareness for your own intuitive cues. When we really run into some roadblocks is what can come with starting to honoring our body's cues, which is weight gain or our body changing. Mm -hmm. A lot of people actually need to gain some weight if they've been restricting for a long time. We don't really know what's going to happen with everyone's body, right? It's unique to an individual, but 
the fear there is really about gaining weight and really about what it means for us to gain weight. Right. And that has a lot to do with our conditioning and our beliefs and all in our cultural conditioning. Right. And so we have to look at, well, why is it so scary? the possibility of gaining weight. And what does that mean for my body image? And what does that mean about how I show up in the world and who I'm disappointing and what life I'm not going to have if I, if I gain weight? Oh, (laughs) that was, (laughs) I just went on so many tangents in my little brain. So even as you were saying it, so I was thinking one, one of the reasons why I don't actually diet is because after I eat, I work out. So like I have that binge thing that goes on. So I do that. But also, and I'm, this is as, and when you are moving into a different part of your life, right? Like I put on weight in my fifties that I do not like, and what that meant, like the psychological part of what that meant to me, like there was like the morning of a youth that like, I'll never get back. And like, what is that going to be? Like, do I have, do I have to be like, what does that mean for my life? I'm still adjusting to that. I don't like it. Like there's a lot about it that I don't like, but there's a lot about being this age that I do like. And then I was thinking about different, okay, I'm going to, I, we got to, we got to talk about different diets. Cause now like one of the things that's been going on in my house right now is this whole intermittent fasting thing. And I was like, oh, I can do this, right. This diet of the month, because I can eat whatever the fuck, whatever I want between these hours. I just Mm -hmm. don't, I don't, I skip breakfast, whatever that means, but it's still like, it, it's so constraining. And then uh, when my partner left this morning, I was like, I can eat before noon. Cause he's not here. He won't know. <laughs> la, 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 la. And I had like an almond. No, I didn't. I had, an <laughs> bite. I had an Aussie bite. Oh, there's so much. I don't even know. There was no question. There was just me confessing about my, <laughs> my 50s and, and what, what that feels like and relating to the topic, because I'm like, it is all about body image and how are you, how are we going to really empower women to accept who they are in their own skin and what it means. Yeah. I think, you know, we have to look at why are we all dieting in the first place? When did we first learn that our bodies, our natural bodies were wrong? You know, for Bridget, it was the pediatrician's office that started the special K diet and then years of disordered eating. For me, it was gaining a very natural amount of weight during puberty and relatives starting to be concerned about weight gain. Right. And there's this cultural expectation that women are supposed to, our bodies are supposed to be static our entire lives right? I just had two babies. Of course, my body looks different. If I were holding the belief that my body should look the same, of course, that's going to cause some issues right afterwards. And there's absolutely a natural weight gain as women age, right? So we have this cultural narrative that we're supposed to bounce back from pregnancy. We're not supposed to gain weight in puberty. We're supposed to look the same when we're 60 than we did when we were 18. It just doesn't make any sense if we step back, right? So it's really looking at these beliefs, like why was my body wrong in the first place? And when we ask those questions, that's when we really start to get to the crux of what our body image is built on, right? And also body image is a natural piece of everyone's self-esteem and self-worth. But for women who struggle with food and body, it's typically a disproportionate amount of our self-worth is based on our appearance. So how can we de-emphasize the importance of our appearance and start to look at ourselves as a whole person and recognize that believing ourselves to be beautiful is not actually a prerequisite for a meaningful, full, joyful life. We've just been trained to believe that it's the most important thing about us, right? 
you know, when I, when I listen to this culturally for me as a black woman, um, you know, I was raised up in a European standard of beauty. Right. And that's not something like my body type will not allow me to look that way. Right. So I remember like, and I'll age myself in the nineties, I was in college and I will remember guys would be like, Oh, Anisha, you would be really hot if you were like a little smaller. Mm. Right. And I was like, well, wait, I'm hot now. Right. No. Um, and then I had to get used to having hips and having a butt and being okay with that, being okay in my own skin that this is what I look like. And I can't look like the women on the magazine. It's, it's just not going to happen for me. That's not the way my body is built. And that took so long for me to kind of be okay with that, right? That body image and realizing that, you know, this is who you are. How do you be proud of this woman every day, all day? Also, I noticed in my family, people I talk to, the first thing that they would say when they would see you is, oh, you look like you gain weight. And I've had to say, you know, that's not a compliment, right? Like what, like, that's not a hello. Say hello to me. How are you? Like, I would get like, oh my God, you look like you've gained weight. And my mom would say little things like, oh, you can put like a lamp on your butt. Like it's so big now. And I'm just like, wow, they didn't realize what that was doing to me and to my self-esteem, right? Like it just felt like not a big deal. Like it is the jokes that people make about people's body image on a day-to-day basis they have no idea how it's impacting them over time. Right. And it's a really, it really fuels this body talk that we have in our culture, right? This conversation around diets and body type, like it's not that we're being intentionally harmful, right? When Mm -hmm. we talk about diets or, and even family members sometimes have the best of intentions when making comments about our bodies, sometimes not, (laughs) but sometimes it comes from a good place or out of concern or out of care, right? Wow. You've gained a lot of weight, like thinking, you know, maybe you need to lose some weight in order to be healthier and happier. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really tough. And you're also touching on a really important point, which is the intersection of diet culture and racism, which is a really important topic. And there's some really wonderful people who are doing important work. Um, Dr. Joy Cox is one. Sabrina Strings wrote a book called Fearing the Black Body, which really goes into detail about the roots of diet culture being sort of rooted in racism and how we are this, this beauty standard that we have is rooted in Eurocentric standards, right? So that's where it com- becomes interesting to look at our current wellness culture and mm-hmm. the cleanses and the detoxes and the weight loss protocols. What are we suggesting, right? Like if we're really, we're suggesting an ideal body type that is thin or that is white or that is able or cisgender, like there's so many intersections with what it means to have a quote unquote perfect body that we're really missing when we talk about diet culture. And yet it's, it's absolutely there and it's a problem. It just sort of gets swept under the rug with this current wellness industry that we have that claims to be talking just about health or just about wellness when there's a lot more to it. That is a perfect place for us to take a break because we are going to come back and unpack that a little bit more. So we're going to take a little bit of a break here. As you know, I am a huge supporter of therapy. And if there was ever a time to prioritize your mental well-being, it's now. As the founder of Be Well Psychotherapy, I am proud to announce my team is leading the way in online therapy. 
BeWell is based in New York City, and we were one of the first practices to pivot to online therapy with the outbreak of COVID-19. With over 15 licensed therapists, BeWell offers a variety of methodologies and approaches so you can select a therapist that is a good fit for you. We help individuals of all ages, including kids, teens, couples, and wait for it, we even have online group therapy. There is no need to struggle alone with feelings of depression, anxiety, isolation, grief, or loss. To learn more, visit BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, that's one word, to 484848 to get connected with a therapist today. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, one word, B-E-W-E-L-L, to 484848 to get connected to a therapist today. And now back to our amazing show. So we are back and I really want to say thank you to you, Bridget, for um, validating, you know, that notion of dieting in the intersection of race and how, you know, I realized that I was not considered the ideal body type and I had to be okay with what my body looked like. But that did take time, right? Because the messages that were out there that I received told me that I was not acceptable. Right. And so I had to come to a space where I realized that I was, you know, growing up at a time when the waif look was the thing. I remember in the 90s, like that was the thing, the waif look. And there was no way that I would look like that. I mean, now once Beyonce and JLo became a big deal, I became a big deal now. I'm like, oh, OK, so like it's cool to have a butt now. Right. Like, right. But for so long, it was not OK. Right. Um, so I've thrived, you know, these last 10 years now been doing pretty good. But thank you for validating that and kind of bringing that up. So, yeah, well, thank you for bringing it up. It's a really important piece of this and one that's really not talked about all that much in the in the wellness industry. Right. And and we would argue that that's intentional uh, mm-hmm. because once again, we are talking about this very specific Eurocentric beauty standard. And what I mean, what you're underscoring is that this this does affect everyone. It affects all women in different ways, but we have to acknowledge that it affects those in marginalized bodies disproportionately, right? And so if we are honoring in this culture a white body, a thin body, an able body, a cisgender, all the all the like perfect quote unquote body type, it's like, what are we saying about what's right? And what are we what are we suggesting it needs to be done about that. And just you showing up in the body that you have is, is revolutionary, honestly, in this Mm -hmm. culture, because it's like, you're fighting a narrative that is so tied in with that racist narrative that still is persistent in our culture today. And we have seen wellness just sort of tack onto that. Right. And it's, sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes it's not, I mean, it's hard sometimes to look at a, like a wellness blogger, talking about green juice detoxes and suggesting that that's, you know, a form of racism. But when we look deeper Mm -hmm. and really unpack what's going on there, there's a, there's a lot to be explored about the quote unquote perfect body. I think that ties into how all of this plays a role in our mental health. So if you guys could speak to like, how does food and nutrition kind of play a role in our mental health? Yeah. I mean, I would, we would argue that simply not eating enough, trying to reject your body's own intuitive cues about how much and how much and what food you need, um, has a massive impact on mental health. It is, 
causes massive anxiety to just be perpetually hungry, right? Perpetually unsatisfied around food um, certainly contributes to anxiety. And not to mention, like you, you opened with, it can become obsessive, right? Like dieting is one of the key indicators to eating disorders, right? It's mm -hmm. one of the most common causes of eating disorders. Of course, they're complex, but it's a huge gateway. And eating disorders are some of the most dangerous mental health issues that we have. And they're growing like the numbers around young girls, especially in, in uh, when you look at social media, like this is a growing problem. It's very dangerous to all women's mental health. Yes. And I'm so glad that you emphasize that it is growing and that because it would almost give you the, uh, the idea that with the wellness conversation and the green juice thing and the, this and the, that, and the third, and like, we're eating better, but that it is still prevalent. And I was, I actually was introduced to a, uh, different disorder this week that I didn't know how to name orthorexia because it was the, I like being too healthy. So like reading all the labels, not eating the food, not eating what they enjoyed or what you enjoy, or just like allowing yourself and like the constant struggle to not even be able to purchase it because you are looking at the ingredients. And I was like, I mean, I understood the anxiety and I understood the mental, I just didn't realize it had a name that it was. And I was like, Oh, okay. All right. But it's, and I could, I could relate to that. I mean, I don't, it wasn't me. I didn't get the, I didn't get the diagnosis, but I could relate to the idea of like the difficulty of making purchases for food. Is this going to be good for me? Is this going to give me the energy that I need? How you make those decisions. And I, and I'm wondering how, what it looks like to help to, to help support making, making the decision on, on how to understand what's intuitive. How do you guys work? Yeah, I mean, I think Bridget <laughs> so and I programming yeah. we got going here. Yeah, I think Bridget and I would both identify as having been through orthorexia ourselves. Like we were caught up in the New York City wellness craze, right? We we were totally. health coaches. I mean, I, we still I, are. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was there. I've, yeah, I've and sure. orthorexia is certainly um, being obsessed and fixated and anxious about being healthy is not healthy, right? No. And the challenge here is that with the wellness industry, we went from sort of our, um, an older generation of Weight Watchers and Slim Fast and very overt weight loss messaging, right? Mm -hmm. This is a weight loss program to the very insidious nooms and Weight, weight Watchers shifting to WW now. And it's very hard to, to separate weight and health in our brains. Right. So how can you argue with, I'm just doing this to be healthy. I don't care about weight loss, which we would argue most women do care about weight loss if they're being honest with themselves, mm -hmm. but it's, it becomes a, a trickier argument to make when we're saying this is wellness. You can't argue with wanting to be well. Right. Right. Um, and orthorexia has a lot of different implications. First of all, the wellness industry, totally. If we really wanted to talk about wellness and health, we would be talking about racism and access to healthcare and poverty, right? And weight stigma. There's a lot of things the wellness industry is not talking about because it's not Instagrammable. You can't make a jade egg and sell it when we're talking about universal <laughs> access to healthcare. Right? Like, a lot of stuff we're not it's talking not marketable. About. Okay. Exactly. Right. What filter do we use for that? Exactly. Right. Like these are not sexy, marketable no. situations, but you know what has a bigger impact on our health than our personal responsibility around nutrition? is like safe housing, job security, living right? in food deserts. Exactly. Yeah, right. We have an absolute nutrition problem in this country. We have an access problem. We have a quality of food problem, but that is different than a weight problem. 
right? So we don't talk about this stuff in the wellness industry. We're not making these arguments about true wellness, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to start to separate weight and these beauty ideals from actual wellness, if that makes sense. So that's really the first piece is recognizing that we can be well and healthy at any size, right? right? And we don't have to control our bodies. Like the dysfunction becomes present when we are trying to control the size of our bodies and our weight. We can access improved health through our behaviors and through nourishing ourselves to the best of our ability and our circumstances, but we are not, we're not in control of our weight. Our genetics are in control of our weight. Mm. Complex factors are in control of our weight. And so separating that, recognizing we've been living under this illusion that one, weight loss equals worth and your body, your size says something about your character and your morality. Recognizing that we can be healthy at any size, right? We can take care of ourselves, but weight doesn't need to be a part of that equation. Right. There's so many celebrations around weight loss. Like I'm hearing you say it and you're like, I heard and Anisha, it's just like, you're like, oh, you've gained weight. Oh, you've lost weight. Like the, the celebration or the conversation in there. And what would, what would it be like if we celebrated like, oh, you had a good pap smear or, oh, you <laughs> right. got like, your, your, your mammogram was, was clean. Like, whoa, you like went to that, therapy. Yeah, yeah. You went to therapy. <laughs> like all right. of those things. Like, yeah. You go, what? once a week, twice a week, whatever. Like if, mm -hmm. the, like, if we looked at that, uh, if we could start to just change the conversation around health and move that from weight, I just, what, a, what an amazing, what a, like, it, it hurts my brain to like, cause I'm like trying to rewire it, but like, also like, as, as I'm thinking about like in my own rewiring about what it feels like to have that, like that image of who I think or what I think I should look like. And then like looking in the mirror and go, yeah, no, wait. Mm -mm. And trying not to like have that inner dialogue. Like as you were talking, I was like, oh, I was thinking about Jane Fonda and I'm like, I'm never going to look like Jane Fonda. I'm never going to be the, I, well, hopefully I'll look for, for me that good when I'm her age, but like, like that long lanky and I have her in my head is like up there, but even but she's like, you see her exercising. They just talk about her, like that she's still doing the same things that she did before. And like, what is that? It, and I love Jane, just in case she's listening. I just want you to know, I love everything you do. Just to, you know, just in case Jane Bond is listening today, go climate change. I love it. You're out there doing the, doing the, doing the work for us. But she's like an ideal, like as I'm aging and I'm looking for role models um, of that to like look towards, but then I look at the body type and I'm like, I, that is one of the things that I'm driven to. Weight loss is a billion dollar business, right? Too many companies, organizations would go out of business if this was no longer important to people, right? Again, right. it's not marketable to not care about this, right? Like, and so I don't know if this will ever really go away, but I would love to talk to you ladies about what you are doing to kind of challenge this, right? And how, in the ways that you guys are helping women. And I know you guys have classes and programs. So if you could tell our listeners a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one thing that came to mind, Diana, when you were talking about these, these mentors is like, let's replace those not nothing against Jane Fonda, right. But one of the exercises we do in our program is who are some icons or some role models or people you aspire to that it, that it has nothing to do with looks, right. That it has nothing to do with their appearance. Like what are they doing? Maybe Jane Fonda for her, you know, activism around climate change, but 
Which really, is where I should have gone first, but the first place I went is, oh my God, did you see yeah. her in Frank in that Netflix series? She right. looks good. Yeah. Like, that's where did. I went. And it's totally normal, right? So this is mm-hmm. a process of unlearning sort of the thoughts that we have around what it means to look good and what it means for us if we don't look like that, those icons, right? Um, so it's a lot of unlearning and it's, you touched on this little too, it's a lot of the thoughts that are going through our head all the time. So really noticing what are the thoughts that we have, right? We, we work with this both in terms of food and body image food. We talk about the food police voices. So challenging those diet voices that tell us you shouldn't be eating that much, or you shouldn't have so many carbs for dinner because you had a lot at breakfast, right. Or whatever the, the thought is of the day. So we look at challenging those thoughts and then challenging the body image thoughts. And that's where the real work is for a lot of the people that we work with, because this persistent, you are not good enough. You Mm -hmm. are, do not look good enough. You do not, you're not attractive enough is running through their head all the time. And so of course we can't treat ourselves kindly. If the first thing that we say to ourselves in the morning is looking in the mirror and saying, you know, you're disgusting. You're, you're going to have a pretty terrible day if that's the thought that's running through your head all day. Right. So we really work with our self-talk and our thoughts and, that comes from our beliefs. So what beliefs do we hold around food and body image? And that's really, I'd say the core of our work is looking at beliefs and looking at our thoughts. Um, and then from there shift, replacing them, right? What do we, what do you want to believe? What is actually true for you? Because we might have this narrative because we do live in a fat phobic culture. We might have this narrative that thin is better, that thin is good, But do we actually believe that? Do we actually truly believe that someone in a thinner body is healthier or that if I don't have a thin enough body, I'm not going to have a good relationship or a good career or a good life? So we have to really challenge these thoughts instead of letting them just keep running the show because uh, because they will. (laughs) And that's when we end up, you know, sitting here like counting our almonds because we think that we need to be smaller in order to be happy. So we have to really get in there and rewire all those thoughts, which is a lot of the work that we do. You have a class. Yes, we do have a class. <laughs> Tell us more. Yes. I guess that's where you were going we with that, Diana. That, Tell us more. That there's, yes. oh, right. That's not a full sentence. That's just a statement. <laughs> no, you have a class. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Tell do. us more. Yeah, yeah, we do. We have, um, it's called the five shifts to end binge eating, which I think most women who have dieted can at least relate in some way to feeling out of control around food, feeling like food controls you and your day. You have one bite of a cookie and your diet goes out the window and now you're eating, you're eating everything all weekend and starting over on Monday, right? Like that's the diet rock bottom that I think a lot of women can relate to. So if that's where you are, we believe there's these four, these five core shifts that you need to make. And like Bridget just described, it's really an inside job, right? It's learning to observe your thoughts and your behaviors around food and start to shift the way that you relate to both. So you can find some freedom in your life and get that time and energy back. So um, that's at wellnesslately.com slash masterclass. And it's five shifts to teach you how to dive in and start working through some of this stuff so you can get your life back and your confidence back and enjoy food again and just not have to face this battle against food in your body day in and day out anymore. Are you guys seeing any different struggles during COVID or is kind of just the same thing, maybe intensified possibly? 
I think everybody's stuff, whatever that stuff is for you, has been amplified in COVID. We're all kind of just <laughs> home with our stuff and our food. Um, so absolutely, there's this there's this narrative that is being perpetuated in the wellness industry about quarantine weight gain and what that means. And you know, women's weight makes national international headlines. We're fighting social injustice, we're fighting a pandemic, and we're seeing Adele's weight as a headline internationally. Our fat phobic culture is obsessed with the weight gain everybody has experienced in COVID, right? So it's certainly coming up. And we've been stripped of a lot of our other coping skills. We've been stripped of connection. We've been stripped of leaving the house every day, right? So everybody's stuff is amplified. And we're absolutely seeing that emotional eating, binge eating, this diet cycle is amplified as well. The, when we first started, um, you know, when the pandemic first hit about a year ago, what we were really noticing was the scarcity mindset around food, which when, if you remember the, uh, the news and the headlines around food running out or, you know, have to get all your groceries in case we can't oh, go shopping. Mm. Exactly. And so for a chronic dieter, that scarcity mindset, even though it might not be Re completely real mm -hmm. triggers the same effect internally triggers that I need to eat everything in sight because I don't know if tomorrow I'm going to have food. And that sounds really dramatic, but it triggers the same effect as you have on a diet when you are in that place of, well, this isn't going to be allowed tomorrow on the diet. So I better stock up and get it all in before that comes. Um, what about zoom? I mean, just because I'm just thinking like, I, uh, again, I'm going to this, I just want to come and hang out with you guys. <laughs> Clearly I need to love that. <laughs> I, like, wait a second. No, but also like, I know that this has come up a lot in session and I've heard it from various people, of course, is like the reflection back and forth. When you're talking about the negative talk, it's like, you can spend all day, like, Mm -hmm. like what's happening. And, um, I has that, have you guys started talking about what that effect is having on, I mean, it's got to have a lot of effect on diet culture. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, staring at yourself all day long <laughs> for work now is certainly a body image disruption and trigger for a lot of women. So we certainly are hearing that zoom. It makes women feel terrible <laughs> about themselves. Right. And being on camera in front of people all day is, is really triggering for a lot of women. So it's certainly bringing some body image stuff up that might not have been on the surface before. Yeah, no, it's definitely been a thing. I actually just contributed to an article in the Lily that talked about mm -hmm. Zoom and self-image, right? Mm -hmm. And how they are seeing an upward rise in like women getting more um, cosmetic surgery mm -hmm. because of it, right? And I was talking about how, you know, me being on Zoom all day, I noticed that my left eye you know, it kind of closes a little bit. Now, I probably didn't notice that before. And I even started doing research around what could I do about it? Like, oh, could I cut off pieces of skin in order for my eye to kind of like the lid to get open? You know, like, it was so weird that I went down this rabbit hole, but I'm not alone in mm -hmm. this rabbit hole, right? And so I, I think that that's the whole point. We're getting like these ring lights so we can look good in the best light. We're thinking about what the makeup looks like because we're not only thinking about what we look like, but we're thinking about what people are thinking about us, right? And so as a therapist, for me, I'm thinking that, do I look less competent, right? Like, or if I look tired, right? Like if they notice that maybe I was up all night, or if I look like I'm not taking care of myself, do they think that I can't take care of them now? Mm -hmm. So like, I'm really hyper-focused on what am I looking like? What am I presenting to people? And what are they thinking about me? 
Yeah. I mean, one of the key things we teach our clients is that anybody in any body, right, regardless of how well we meet the beauty ideals, the more we focus on and emphasize the importance of our appearance, Mm -hmm. the less satisfied we are with it. Like that's just the phenomenon. So the more we focus on it, the worse we feel about it. Right. So Mm -hmm. what you're describing is like all these beliefs that you believe people are making or these judgments they're making about you based on your appearance, right? Like those are beliefs, right. That we feel if we don't look a certain way. And so zoom is certainly making us focus on our appearance more. So the work is not to fix our appearance. It's to de-emphasize the importance of our appearance, right. Challenge some of those beliefs, right. The internal feeling ladies, Mm -hmm. I could spend all day with you. Oh, oh, yeah, back at you. <laughs> yeah. But we can't. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I don't want anybody to miss you guys at all because you have such rich resources and you have, a, this has been incredible. So tell our listeners where they can find you and all the, all the different places, all the things. Sure. Well, thank you so much. It's been a joy to speak with both of you as well. Uh, we are at wellnesslately.com. That's sort of our, our main hub for everything where you can find all the things. Uh, but we are also on social media on Instagram wellness underscore lately, because I messed up the handle when I set it up (laughs) and, um, we are, we have a Facebook group. That's a really good place to, um, to just jump into this stuff. If you're new to it and want to be in conversation with other women talking about this stuff, because as we've, as we've discussed, you you do feel really alone and isolated if you don't have other people in your life to talk to about this. So, um, so that's on Facebook. And then we have a podcast as well with the same name wellness lately, where we dive into some of this stuff in more detail and interview other people doing similar work and just, uh, basically an excuse to just chat about all of this in more detail. (laughs) Definitely. I mean, we could talk about it forever. Like it's so important. And just even the, the talking, it is part of the rewiring, right? Like mm-hmm. once we start to talk about it and look at it from a different lens, we've already started to heal. So right. I really appreciate all that you brought to the table today and it's time for our last hurrah. So Anisha's got some questions for you all. Yes. Fun. We don't have, to, have do nothing to do with what we talked about today. Okay. <laughs> Fun. Yeah. <laughs> so if you had to eat one meal every day for the rest of your life, what would it be? Tacos for me. It's an easy one. Mm. It's a good one, Bridget. Fish tacos, chicken tacos. Oh, all the tacos. I don't discriminate when it comes to tacos. I like it. I like what I'm hearing. Yeah, I'd say chicken parm maybe is coming to oh, my brain because also I'm good. An Italian from New Jersey. So just stick with my roots. Yeah. There you go, okay. girl. I like it. I like it. Don wants to know if your tacos are flour or corn. <laughs> good question, Don. I do like both, but I have to go corn, I think. Interesting. I would go corn too. Yeah. It's nothing like it feels. I like a flour tortilla. I do too. I'm more traditional. Um, I do. <laughs> And girl, I like a chicken parm, man. I like a chicken parm. Homemade or like from your favorite deli? From your favorite, I mean, there's just like red too many good joint. Italian delis, Mastriano's around the corner for me. I yeah. can't compete with that. So like, and the hero, like a chicken parm hero, like Ooh. when you can really get in there and get dirty and you're like yeah. ready. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. I hear you. Okay. Well, I hope everybody goes and checks you out because you yes. you're doing really good work and I'm excited. Anisha. I need to check you out, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I can't believe it took her that long. <laughs> All right, here we go. We're at the end. 
Oh, we are, yes. I forgot. We are, we're at, we're at the, we're at the end and we've anniversary now. It is okay. this time last year. We, t- we, it was the day today mm-hmm. was the day that we came yeah. home. Yes. Yeah. Oh, right. Right. From my office. And, and we wild. thought I left all my shoes guys. I was like, Oh, I'll be back in two weeks. I left. My yeah. Coat. It's okay. Couple all your shoes are there. still right. in a year. I was it's just, I was just back. there last week. Your shoes are still there. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I checked the whole thing out. So what is our, what we our still have to right. do the same things. Yeah. Okay. Same so things. We're living in a pandemic. Pandemic. Stay safe. Stay safe. Wash, wash your, your hands. hands. It keep and wearing the damn mask. Yes. yes. We're Amen. still wearing a mask. People. Just it's keep not wearing it. Like, what is the big deal? You put <laughs> shoes on, you put your sweater on, put your mask on. All right. Um, and join our Facebook group. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank, Thank you so Bridget. much. Thank you, Dana. And All right, guys. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you so talking. much. We appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Be Real podcast. Stay connected to us and subscribe to Be Real wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are feeling it, how about a five-star review? If our conversation sparked a question, join us in the Be Real podcast Facebook group. We hope that you have walked away with some new insights, curiosities, and ideas to better help you on your journey to mental wellness and overall well-being. I encourage you to go to BeWellPsychotherapy.com and check out our services and programs. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com. Okay, we have to stop here, but I'll see you next week.